the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What difference at this point does it make? Oh, shut up. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. If you like your health care plan, you will keep your plan. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. That about sums up the news for this week. America has been given another chance by a very narrow margin. We have dodged a bullet, and we have a chance to save the country and republic. And that's how everyone here is feeling today. Feeling definitely good. What difference does it make? Certainly still seems to apply. Hillary Clinton, it makes a lot of difference. And... uh, yeah, what a difference the day makes. It uh, seems like we've got an entirely different view and outlook, but still, it's going to be important to make sure that we, you know, hold Donald Trump's feet to the fire to make sure that all of his promises, all of his agenda, the things that he said he wanted to accomplish, the person he represented to us actually comes to fruition. And uh, we have a special guest on the line that has had a special relationship with uh, President-elect Donald Trump throughout the campaign and before uh, former Congressman Pete Hoekstra. Yes, he was 18 years in the House. He was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee from 2004 to 2007, and he's now the uh, the name here. It is the Shillman Senior Fellow with the Investigative Project on Terrorism. He's been a national security advisor to uh, Donald Trump, a surrogate, and he was co-chair of Donald Trump's Michigan campaign. And uh, Pete just advised us that uh, as of this morning, both major newspapers in Michigan have called the state of Michigan for Donald Trump by a margin of 12,000 votes. That was a close one, Congressman Hoekstra. Out of of 4.5 million. That was a close one, Congressman Uh, Hoekstra. Thanks for joining us. uh, It was a close one. We always thought that Michigan was uh, going to be in play this cycle. We haven't gone for the Republican nominee since uh, 1988. Wow. So this is a big win for us. And, uh, you know, they're uh, so, yeah, we're thrilled today that, uh, you know, we helped put him over the uh, over the number, 270. So, yeah, that's a good day. So Donald Trump crushed what is being called by the media the blue wall in counties around Wisconsin and in Pennsylvania. What do you attribute uh, this uh, electoral win for Donald Trump to? What uh, what Donald Trump did is he, he captured the anxiety, some would call it anger, that large parts of uh, the Midwest and really the country that Washington had become alienated from the American people, especially here in the Midwest, where we've seen, you know, thousands of manufacturing jobs leave. You know, four years ago, we had a candidate who said, 
I would not have done the auto bailout. Now, philosophically, at 30,000 feet, that may be a good policy strategy. But what people in Michigan heard, factory workers heard, was he wouldn't have gone to bat for us. We would have lost our jobs and, uh, you know, he would have been fine in the White House, but we would have lost our jobs. What they heard from Donald Trump was, you know, Ford Motor, if you're announcing that you're taking your small car production out of Michigan and moving it to Mexico, I'm going to give your CEO a call and say, go ahead. But if you do, well, and you think you're going to ship those cars back to Michigan, you've got another thing coming. I thought, uh, and yeah, so it's a very different message. They saw a fighter and a fighter for the common man. I thought Trump had a great line, and it was great because yep. the truth behind it, he says that it used to be that they make cars in Flint, Michigan, and they couldn't drink the water in Mexico. And now they make cars in Mexico, and you can't drink the water in Flint, Michigan. And it was the, tr- the power of the truth behind that. I thought that was just an amazingly good line. Uh, it was, it was you're, and you're right. It's unbelievable, and the sad thing is it's true. And Trump captured that. And, you know, the, uh, you know plus he had a very hopeful message. You know, we're going to make America great again. We're going to go back and we're going to fix the things that are broke. Uh, and so often he's been characterized as an anti-negative candidate. But reality, you know, reality what's wrong with saying I'm going to make America great again and I'm going to focus on making America great and putting America first. It's what a lot of people wanted to hear after eight years of, you know, apology tours around the world and, you know, you know, talking about how bad America was and the mistakes that we've made. Donald Trump doesn't say we're perfect, but he does say we were great and we're going to make America great again. So there's a lot of talk right now in the media. You know, we, we have the celebratory mode, but really a big job. And you may have been there uh, for other transitions. This is a big job, getting things together, uh, organizing the right people. I understand it started as soon as his uh, nomination at the Republican National uh, Convention. Uh, but now the real work begins to put together this transition team. Um, what do you see happening in in the bigger picture right now? And then in our next segment, let's focus in on national security. But right now, what's the what are the big priorities for Donald Trump moving forward in the next 79 days? Uh, well, the first thing he's going to have to do, he's going to have to pick his people. Who's going to who's going to lead in the cabinet, various positions uh, and those kinds of things. And I'm hearing reports that he'll start announcing cabinet members, you know, as or as early as next week. Okay. Uh, that that's important. And then it's, you know, really the the priorities. Is it going to be the repeal of Obamacare and replacing it with uh, you know, a transition and a new health care plan? Is it taxes? Is it the infrastructure rebuilding program? He's gonna have to set, you know, his priorities because Congress can only swallow so much at a time. And so, Mr. Trump, what do you want to what do you want to get done first? Here's what we think in Congress we're ready to do and can do very quickly. So that's why they're meeting today. That's why they met. Uh, that's why they met. Uh, you know, this past uh, this past Thursday uh, with with Pence and Ryan and McConnell to start taking a look at these various things that they uh, that they want to get done and lining them up. How do we get through committee? Uh, how do we get through the House? How do we get through the Senate? 
uh, and those types of things. That's what they've got to be talking about now. Do you think the Republicans like McConnell and Ryan are going to be allies and not 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 rubber stamps, but allies in, in trying to advance Donald Trump's agenda? Or are they going to try to oppose him, if not openly, uh, behind the scenes because his agenda, except at this point, has not been their agenda? Well, a lot of their agenda has been the same. I mean, Paul Ryan has always wanted to change the tax code and reform it. So does Donald Trump. Uh, they've always wanted to replace uh, and repeal and replace Obamacare. So that's something where they're very much aligned. The infrastructure plan, you know, a, a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, that's probably something that McConnell and Ryan were never looking at doing, but now will uh, we'll probably do. They'll have to figure out, they'll want to come up with a way to pay for it in those types of things. You know, and all about and all of the above energy plan, they're in agreement on that. So there, there's plenty of room for agreement uh, here the, for the first hundred days. The tactics and the specifics, sure, they'll have to wire, uh, they'll have to, you know, iron those out. But no, they've got plenty of things that they can work together on. All right, we are going to continue after the break with uh, former, he says former, but I always understood the protocol to be you always call a congressman a congressman, so I'm going to do that with Congressman Pete Hoekstra. Yeah, uh, once you've been a congressman, you just cannot escape that label. That's right. You're stuck, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're stuck, stuck with that. the rest of your life. And we're going to talk national security with someone who actually was on the inside of the uh, national security arena as we continue here on the Unite Inland Empire radio program. After a word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, Ed is a great patron and the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Pete Hoekstra and National Security and Donald Trump after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Moreno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE. Broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders license number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. NMLS 9873. AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire Radio program. We have on the phone with us Congressman Pete Hoekstra. He was a national security advisor for Donald Trump. He was also a surrogate appearing on radio and TV and co-chair of the Michigan campaign for Donald Trump. He's also a fellow with the Investigative Project on Terrorism and sat on a uh, committee uh, for national security. And He's chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Didn't sit on it. He ruled it. So let's get into that. National security. What are Donald Trump's priorities right now for getting uh, for making sure that ISIS disappears, but quick? Well, I think the number one priority for him will be attacking the threat from radical Islam, 
recognizing that it may be ISIS in Iraq and Syria and 38 other or 28 other countries right now, other parts of uh, the planet. You know, it's al-Qaeda, other places, it's al-Shabaab or Boko Haram. It's a very broad coalition of radical jihadist groups uh, that we are going to have to defeat. Clearly, uh, I, I was very encouraged that uh, a couple of the first calls that, that he made were with uh, the president of Egypt, Sisi, and also with Netanyahu from Israel, because he recognizes that the people in the region have the best understanding and probably some real insights in how we defeat ISIS and radical jihadists. So I was thrilled that uh, he's rebuilding this bridge with Egypt that was so badly damaged uh, by President Obama and Hillary Clinton uh, when they embraced the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, I heard reports today that indicate that uh, he is going to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a radical, uh, you know, as a, as a terrorist organization. That is a step forward. Uh, these folks have been infiltrating the United States uh, Again, President Obama welcomed members of the Muslim Brotherhood to the United States of America. Uh, Donald Trump will not. So, uh, you know, it, and then it's going to be developing the strategies and the tactics to defeat them on the ground. Uh, and I think you're going to see him be much more aggressive uh, in going after these folks and denying them a safe haven. Remember, ISIS has almost had a safe haven of close to two years uh, in an area, the state of Indiana. Wow. Uh, in Syria and Iraq. I yep. mean, it's, you know, and you can't have that. So those are the kinds of things that I think you're going to see a uh, President Trump uh, implement and begin working on immediately. How does he in part Donald Trump's message was you've been involved in these disastrous wars in the Middle East that we spent a vast amount of money. We've lost a lot of lives. A lot of men have been wounded there. And the situation is worse. Yet. The, the jihad really is all those groups that you mentioned around the world. They exist and, and they're not and they're not going away. How do you think Donald Trump is going to try to bridge those two things of not b- being more involved and perpetually fighting wars in the Middle East versus confronting the jihad? And I think unlike the current administration, he gets the jihad and incorporate uh, boots on the ground, too, in your answer. Yeah, I think there's three things we're really looking at. Number one, you know, how are we not going to be? you know, as involved or whatever, you know, he's not an isolationist. But what he's going to keep his eye on the ball is my job is to defeat radical jihadists. It is not regime change. Uh, President Bush and President Obama led us into regime change in five countries, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya. Um, Let's see, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, uh, Libya and Libya. Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Yeah, Egypt. So four out of those five, five countries are now failed states. Mm. Okay, three of three of them were not. Uh, Iraq wasn't, Syria wasn't, and Libya were not. Uh, but, you know, Trump, President, I don't, I don't see a, a President Trump getting involved in regime change. Uh, at least I hope not. Uh, I know he won't. He's seen that that is a disastrous strategy. It's taking the lid off the garbage can in these countries and allowing radical jihadists uh, to grow. So if you're not taking the lid off the garbage can, it doesn't mean we it means we don't have to put uh, we don't have to put boots on the ground. We can rely on local. uh, You know, I mean, Gaddafi had radical jihadists under control. Um, Iraq had radical jihadists under control. 
Assad had radical jihadists under control. Uh, Mubarak had radical jihadists under control. You know, we don't need U.S. boots on the troop on the ground. We just need to make sure we don't take out the armies that do have these folks on, uh, uh, under control or had them under control before we removed the central government. So we're going to look forward to a President Trump who will be willing to say radical Islam or a version thereof, but definitely something like that, and helping to push through. I know there's several bills. There's two bills, one in the Senate, one in Congress, to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. And if you would, in commenting on those bills, also include what about the stealth jihad here in America that's being advanced by these surrogates of the Muslim Brotherhood? And and most notably, uh, Attorney General Eric Holder sealed up over 100 boxes of evidence that were used to indict five individuals during the Holy Land Foundation trial, sealed them up, wouldn't let anybody have access to them. I know Congressman uh, Louis Gohmert wanted access to them to continue that. We've got 300 groups and individuals designated as unindicted co-conspirators. Will a, will a President Trump allow the Attorney General to open up those things and continue to move against those groups that potentially were unindicted co-conspirators? Yeah, I think what you're going to find is that, number one, he he has and will continue to use the word radical jihadist, something that President Bush and President Obama would not do. Uh, The second thing that I think he will do is uh, he recognizes the the threat from a stealth jihad. Um, And so he will not allow the Muslim Brotherhood to come into the United States because he has said he will, he has indicated, at least through some of his uh, advisors, that he would sign legislation passed by Congress that designated the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. Uh, under President Obama, and we're actually working on a book uh, at the Investigative Project on Terrorism that highlights all of the individuals that President Obama and Secretary of State Clinton allowed into the country who had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is a radical jihadist organization that wants to establish a caliphate ruled by a caliph and governed by Sharia law. And those organizations who there are organizations in the United States that are connected to the Muslim Brotherhood who are advocating for those exact same things. Uh, we study that at the investigative project on terrorism. We highlight that uh, and educate the American people about this stealth jihad uh, here in the United States that they're going to, you know, they're, they're kind of a cancer within uh, our country, undermining our values. Uh, and I fully expect that a new attorney general will put a tremendous amount of focus and effort on identifying these groups uh, and prosecuting these groups for their un-American behavior. We're talking to Congressman Pete Hoekstra, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and an advisor to Donald Trump. It's time for a message from uh, Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. More with Pete Hoekstra and national security issues under the Trump administration after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Reno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California and Arizona. 
Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE. Broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders license number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. NMLS 9873. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are talking to Pete Hoekster, the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and author of a book entitled Architects of Disaster, The Destruction of Libya. And uh, tell us, why is this still relevant now that Donald Trump's going to be president? Uh, it is relevant because it shows the mistakes that America made. Uh, Libya was a huge success for America. We had ostracized them in the world community for 30 years, Republican and Democrats. Uh, we had had a consistent strategy of ostracizing him. It bore fruit. It came to fruition in 2003 when he finally said, I'm going to flip sides. Right. Uh, so he, he, he paid reparations. He was killing jihadists. Uh, you know, so he was fully cooperating. He gave up his nuclear weapons program. What a huge success. In 2011, uh, President Obama and Hillary Clinton decided the guy had to go. And we ended up with a failed state. It was it was an awful decision. So this, I think, is what we talked about earlier. This is why, you know, a President Trump recognizes the limitations of American power and that we shouldn't go to a point of, you know, removing dictators. As, you know, they're not great people, but at least they kept the lid on the garbage can. And even people in Libya now are saying life was much better under Gaddafi than what it is today. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean even before you get to Benghazi and the incompetence and the dereliction of duty there, this the overwhelming strategic stupidity of what they did is they overthrew somebody who had switched and become our friend and ally, sending a message to everyone else in the world, don't be a yeah. friend and ally of the United States. No, that's right. What did what did Gaddafi get for negotiating and, and flipping sides? A, a, he got a forty-five caliber got, bullet. Yeah, he got pulled out of a gutter and and got executed. Uh, so, and people say, I wonder why Assad won't negotiate with America. It's like uh, look at Mubarak and look at Gaddafi. Um, right. You know, no, th- this is really a bad idea negotiating and being friends with the Americans. So, you know, that I think is one of the things that you'll see out of a Trump. Uh, administration, you know, then taking a look at at other parts of the world. Again, I think he will be tough with Russia, mm-hmm. but he recognizes we're to get to a solution in Syria. You're going to need to work with the Russians and the Iranians, not necessarily because he wants to, but because President Obama provided you know, created a vacuum that Russia and Iran could move into Syria and significantly increase their influence there. Now Trump has to deal with the aftermath. Well, you're not going to go into Syria and fight and, and, and do a lot of things because you're going to bump into Russia. So we're now in a position where we probably need to work with Russia to fix Syria. Uh, and then the third area, he will be tough with China. 
uh, and I, I recently uh, did a conference on this, but, you know, South uh, or, you know, Asia right now, the Koreans, the Japanese, what they've all said is the Obama policies of the last eight years have failed. We have not reined in China. China is still very much expansionistic. Uh, North Korea now has nuclear weapons. It's time to come together uh, and develop a new strategy to confront China, deal with China, and to confront North Korea, because what has been done has not worked. And so I expect that uh, President Trump will convene or, uh, you know, get people working with our allies in Asia very, very quickly and early in his new administration to develop a new strategy for uh, those two problems. All good news. We got about a minute left with you. You mentioned Iran. What about the Iranian nuclear deal? Is there any daylight in there uh, under an, a, a Trump administration uh, and presidency to be able to deal with that ag- disaster of an agreement? Well, the the thing is, we had Iran where we wanted them, and uh, now we don't. Uh, you know, to to put in a whole new regiment of of sanctions, you'd have to get the world community to go along. I'm not sure you'll be able to put that genie in the bo- back in the bottle. The other thing is when we when we gave Iran or freed up all these financial assets to Iran, remember, they also feed that money into North Korea. Right. It gets to be very, very ugly. We not only you know weakened our position with Iran, we also weakened our position with North Korea. Uh, that's another major challenge. The new president is, is in the deep hole and is going to figure a way to climb out. Very good. I can't thank you enough, Congressman Holkstra, for being with us. If you haven't picked up his book, Architects of Disaster, do so. Give you some insight into the uh, future of this uh, Trump administration and what they're dealing with. And you find more about him and what he's working at investigativeproject.org. Thank you again, Congressman. Hey, great. Great being with you. Thank you. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. Boy, Greg. This election on November 8th is really the tale, you know, the book, The Tale of Two Cities. This is a tale of two elections. We just got off the phone with Congressman Pete Hoekstra talking about the great news at the top of the ticket. But there is not a lot of great news for California in this election. Nope, not. It is very, very hard to find any good news in 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 the California results. Uh, first of all, at the top of the ticket, California overwhelmingly wanted to put Hillary Clinton back in the White House. I think it was like 60 percent or so uh, wanted to see her back in the White House. That's a that's that 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 got a lot of Democrats out to vote, along with this proposition to uh, bring cannabis into the uh, le- into, into the legal state. You know. Yep. And, uh, you know, someone said that marijuana activist is an oxymoron. <laughs> well, here's my hope, and we'll talk about the propositions, we'll talk about the elections, but given the way that the propositions happen, it's my hope that the liberal left takes full advantage of legalization of marijuana, smokes them, themselves into a catatonic stupor, and that enables the rest of us who are living sober to be able to take back this state. What do you think the chances of that are? Well, that's one possible strategy. But on the other hand, uh, stoned and uh, voters may be more easy to manipulate. Well, yeah, right. exactly. They'll, they'll forget that they have to vote. You know, mm-hmm. come next election cycle, they'll be uh, high on some of this, you know, incredibly potent 
uh, marijuana that's going to be available legally now. Uh, they'll be stumbling around not knowing. You know, this this is going to turn California into the into a literal zombie state. And on top of that, talking about propositions, I guess that's where we're going to start. In com- combination to this legalization of marijuana, we have Prop 57 that passed, which is going Put to... Put more criminals on the streets. Exactly. It's going to double down on Prop 47 and AB 109 and take those people that are in prison for sentences that they were sentenced to under the, pro- under, under the law. Governor Brown's new Proposition 57 makes certain crimes now not violent crimes, like raping a woman who is under the influence and passed out is no longer considered to be a violent crime. Certain terrorist acts are no longer considered to be a violent crime. And now, guess what? An unelected bureau of probation officers gets to consider their prison life and things that they've done to rehab themselves, like becoming masters of tiddlywinks, in the equation of do they get early release? I got a degree in that. Yeah, this is this is crazy. And it's amazing. It passed with uh, something like sixty-three percent of the vote. You know, you, you know what are? I mean, maybe people have already started dipping into the marijuana. I mean, I, I understand California is liberal, okay, and you want higher taxes on the rich, and we'll tax somebody else, and we'll spend more money. I sort of, I can sort of get that. But who would want to have more criminals? This is who would have want to have more criminals, and I'll tell it to you straight. This is something that needs to change in California, because when you read the top line description of this proposition, it makes it sound like it's a good thing. It makes it sound like we're doing the right thing by people who, you know, deserve maybe or whatever to get out, allows parole considerations for nonviolent offenders and allows juvenile court judges to decide whether juveniles should be uh, prosecuted as adults. Who wouldn't want that? That seems like a reasonable thing, except when you peel back the layers of the onion and realize that a part of this is the reclassification of violent crimes. Right. On the same kind of uh, deceptive level, the Proposition 58 that also passed and restored bi- uh, bilingual education that was thrown out by the voters in, in the 1990s, and they call that English proficiency. And the people who wanted it, the original proposition, the original Proposition 227 that was supported and asked for by the Hispanic and bilingual community because their kids weren't learning English and wanted them to assimilate into the English-speaking country of America, they passed this thing. And it was the teachers. The money behind Proposition 58 was the California Teachers Association because guess what needs to be hired now? 20,000 teachers that don't have to necessarily have certain qualifications as teachers to be able to implement Prop 58. Where are they going to get those people? This is, this is you know, when you take 20,000 times, what are union dues? $100 a month? Yep, 20,000 more, 20, more dues-paying members. $2 million a month. That's a pretty good rate of return for the California Teachers Association. Absolutely. Plus, I think they're ideologically in favor of that. And that's been part of the unfortunate strategy of the Democrat Party is to accentuate ethnic and racial differences and try to get people within their favorite groups to loyally vote for the Democrat Party. Right. Of course, the one that I really lament here, in combination with you know making the streets of California more violent by getting these people out early, in combination with people running around in a stupor of you know marijuana, we now have to jump through hoops in order to buy ammunition because guess what? Prop sixty three passes with sixty three percent approval. 
Right. It's just another way of chipping away at our right to constitutional right to keep and bear arms. So they can't eliminate that immediately, but they can progressively make it more difficult and expensive to have exercise your right to keep and bear arms. So now each time you want to buy ammunition, you have to go in and go through a $25 background check and then wait for that to pass. I think it's, it takes 10 or 11 days to get yep. for that to go through. Then you have a 30-day window in which you can buy ammunition. And I'm sure that the criminals and the terrorists and the people that are going to use ammunition for nefarious purposes are more than willing to go through that process. Well, okay, all right, yeah, that's a good point. Now, in, since 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 that's <laughs> not going to happen, you know, then um, I, I guess I could be for it. This is crazy. You know, it's almost like every proposition I voted no on versus yes on. It's like it, that whole world was inverted. The one thing that got passed that I was for that I voted yes on is Prop 54, which is the daylight provision allow, you know, requires Sacramento to post their bills 72 hours before, uh, you know, they get uh, voted on, which is going to essentially stop. We think we hope this gut and amend process that happens at 1130 at night that stacks of bills come out from the printing office at the gov- at, in Sacramento for people to, oh, you got to pass it before you can read it kind of a thing. Right. So that's good. You can videotape now and you can bring your cell phone and videotape what goes on in the uh, on the floor of the legislature. And they're required to keep those can- those those videotapes that are taken on the uh, Capitol cameras for 20 years. Yeah, I'd just like to see a, a follow-on proposition that requires each legislator to wear a body camera right. everywhere they go and every meeting they have. I, I agree with an automatic shutoff switch when they walk into the uh, co-ed bathrooms up there. You know, the, just the only one good one, the, the, the one good result on propositions was, well, there's two, is the reform of the death penalty uh, narrowly passed and the uh, one to eliminate the death penalty failed. But Proposition 65... Not a lot of attention to that one, but that also that also lost. And now you still have to pay your ten cent for a paper bag to the supermarket, and you can't have a plastic bag anymore. But at least under sixty five, that money would have all gone to Democrat environmental groups and crony capitalists. So that one failed. So at least one little bit of good news. Yep. All right. So much for the propositions. We'll talk about what happened to our uh, other offices, some local offices. Yes. Uh, After this uh, break, as we celebrate a November 8th election, top of the ticket and scratch our heads about what the future for California is. After a word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Um, Back after this. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. 
Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office. Uh, we're discussing the election results. We had a great first half with Congressman Pete Hoekster regarding the great national results and Donald Trump and the opportunity to make America great again. And now we're not, the news is not, not quite so good here in, in California. We talked about the propositions. Let's talk about some of the legislative races, uh, particularly locally. The, uh, the Republicans lost three seats in the state legislature, in the state assembly. Yep. So that takes that takes in the state assembly that they had, they had if they lost two they would lose the super majority, they would be below the one third and they lost three including and I was surprised by this one because I didn't know it was he was seriously at risk is Eric Linder in, in your district yep. lost he did and he lost I think in a large part due to not taking this race as seriously as I think he should have because my sources suggests that the night before the election, he was singing karaoke, Mm. which is not, you know, what I've read in a get out the vote effort is what you need to be doing. Um, So unfortunately, whatever 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 issues came together, because I know that they were spending three million dollars. I saw the ads. I got the mail. Um, The Democratic Party was heavily targeting him. Uh, which is un- you know interesting because he had the support of SEIU. I saw a couple of mailers come out suggesting uh, uh, that we're union funded, suggesting a vote for Eric Lender. He took SEIU money for his uh, campaign effort. Well, that's cool. Because, I mean, from their side, that is because yes, from SEIU, whatever side wins, they win. Yep. But it, what I'm it, what I'm saying is is that having done that, that may have depressed. The vote for him among conservatives that would have been inclined to have supported him otherwise. Possibly. Now, another heavily targeted seat, which is in, in my area, Mark Stein North, he's, he pulled that one through. And that's a similarly where millions of dollars are dumped in. I mean, they, normally the, the, each side will target the mailers, these expensive mailers, to their prospective voters. But in our household, they were, I mean, we were getting daily two, three, four um, uh, mailers for Stein North's opponent. Yep. So it was far more than we ever saw from from Stein North, but he he's he's pulled that one through at fifty two point three percent of the vote. So he, that that looks pretty good. The state Senate they could only lose one if or the Democrats would get their supermajority, and it appears they've held that. The closest one that's still potentially at risk is in in uh, District twenty nine, where Lingling Chang holds a very narrow lead, fifty point nine to forty nine point one. So that's still potentially a risk as they do the provisionals. And there's, I, I, I don't I, think that I, I race has actually been, as of Thursday when we record the program, I don't, I don't think that race was, has been. No, it hasn't, hasn't, hasn't been called. And there's even more. Pro- I was talking to Cheryl Benton, who headed up the election integrity efforts in the Inland Empire. And she was out and she was telling me that there were just oodles and oodles and boatloads and truckloads of provisional ballots being cast. So those, you know, those, those are a risk, and that's where the greatest potential for election fraud is, is in those, in those provisional ballots. Yeah, what district is it that Ling Ling Chang is in? That's 29. It goes into L.A. County, comes out as far as Chino Hills. Uh, Bob Huff used to represent that, and he's, he's termed out as of, this, as of this time. Yeah, right now they're showing 50.9, as you say, to uh, 49.1. That's a 4,000, roughly a 4,000 vote discrepancy, 3,900 vote discrepancy in that race. And uh, obviously needed in order to prevent a two-thirds supermajority in the Senate, right. assuming all the Republicans vote, you know, as a block. 
Also interesting is in San Bernardino, uh, Assembly Member Cheryl Brown, who was considered a moderate Democrat, she she opposed the 50% gas rationing plan they had and, and was, de- was defeated in the legislature. They The Democrats and the left and the environmental groups, they went all out. And she was defeated by an even more liberal, more leftist member, Eloise Gomez-Reyes, in that, in, in that race. So that's interesting is that... Uh, not only, are, not only are the Democrats winning, it's the more lefter Democrats that are winning. Which, yeah, isn't surprising. What district is she? I don't have the number, but it, it covers San Bernardino. Okay. I've only got a list here of the actual districts. They don't give a uh, geographic area. Also interesting is Daryl Issa, a longtime member of Congress. You would think it would be safe, and he is barely. I mean, he got, he's got 51.1%. He's 4,000 votes ahead of his challenger. And so far, so far, all the incumbent Republicans in, uh, in Congress in California have held on. In fact, I think they're having a meeting today in the corner booth at Denny's. <laughs> it's all they can afford. That, 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 that's, that's enough space for all of them. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, not enough people. We, no. we, we definitely need, we've got problems in California. We've got problems in the Inland Empire. And, you know, my hat goes off to all the people that helped to keep Mark Steinorth in. There was, I know, a big ground game that was run by the Riverside County Young Republicans. They 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 did a yeoman's effort in coming out on behalf of uh, these two races that we've talked about, Eric Linder's race as well as Mark Steinorth's race. And I don't think that they, either one of those races would have had a prayer. Well, obviously, Eric Linder lost, but uh, Mark Steinorth's race would have had a prayer without, uh, you know, the, the YRs getting involved. They are a dedicated bunch of young uh, activists uh, that are willing to do the heavy lifting uh, right. in these races. And another one that our group, the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, had strongly back was Paul Chabot, and we thought he had a, a, a good chance of defeating incumbent Pete Aguilar. He narrowly lost in 2014, and this time he had more money. Ran a, he ran continuously from the day after the 2014 election up to the present. He got a minority support. He got Bishop Juan Carlos Mendez in the Latino community. He got black clergy to support him, and he this time he lost by 10 points and I was just I, I was I was stunned not so much that he might lose but he, that he lost by an even wider margin I, I talked to him and he said that his, in the last six months his district went from a plus five Democrat registration edge to a plus 12 right Democrat registration edge in just six months. Well, same thing for Riverside County. Riverside County, which is cons- largely considered to be the most conservative county in the in the state, um, I'm not sure who came up with that idea, but uh, that's what I've been told. Uh, I haven't much sat down and tried to compare the 58 counties in the state at this point. But at any rate, like you were saying with uh, Chabot's district. In Riverside, went plus Democratic registration. I don't know what the total number is, but ultimately, this ish this I lay at the feet of the Republican Party because uh, I don't know what the registration. You know, I sit on the Central Committee as an alternative in Riverside County, and I've got voted in during the primary. I'm now going to be a member. We're going to address this because there's no reason in the world why uh, we should have gone in that direction. There is no outreach to minority communities in the Riverside. County that needs to change. There is no uh, messaging of what Republican and conservative values are that should line up directly with faith-based, family-focused, uh, hard work ethic 
individuals in those communities. They should be registering as Republican. They just don't understand what Republican. They buy into what they're sold as being, oh, the Democratic Party, we, you know, we stand up for you. No, look at the Democratic Party and the agenda that they really represent. They don't, that's the last thing that they, you know. Well, that, that's, that's a much longer discussion. I think, I think the poll data says that they, the particular the Latinos, they, they, they favor big government. Over smaller government by about seven by about seventy thirty. Um, time for a break and uh, hear from our sponsor, All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For over twenty years, All Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock. On AM 590, The Answer. Oh, get your troubles. Happy days. Come on, get happy. I hear again a change. Oh, above a clear. Shout hallelujah. So let's sing a song. Come on, get happy. Cheer again. Get happy days are here. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. You know, Greg, in our excitement to get that segment started with Pete Ho- Congressman Pete Hoekstra, I don't know if we ever cross-introduced ourselves. I think we were just hoping people would remember us. I don't know. Or not, depending on whether it, they like the show. It's a whole new world out there, according to the left. The world, the same, whatever world they envision is now ending, according to everybody from Rachel Maddow, who said, no, this is not a nightmare, this is real life, to Van Jones, who was saying, this is, you know, this is the end of the world as we know it, to Miley Cyrus, who did a live streaming video of herself sobbing over this. Did you see the pictures of the dejected uh, individuals at Hillary Clinton's, you know, supposed to be victory party? Yep, and uh, you, you have that. You have that in every election. It'd be interesting to see how many of these. Uh, uh, I don't recall how, how, how many anybody at McCain's. I don't recall anybody at McCain's victory party or uh, Romney's victory party sitting there and sobbing. I don't remember that. wasn't quite sobbing, but I was. I was at the uh, Tea Party. Our Tea Party had an election night party in 2012. And I'm not sure people were sobbing, but they're yeah, it's somber. It's you're depressed. Yeah. I get it. I understand, but you know, there, yeah, because the, the country's on the line, right? Exactly. And, the, and, and we understood that with a President Obama from our worldview. We knew what a President Obama would do. And he did it and largely did it. And with the, with the, without Congress, who got a mandate in 2010 in the, in the House and got a mandate in 2014 in the Senate, they didn't get in the way. 
No, there's practically nothing, practically nothing to, to oppose, oppose Obama, which actually, that may be in large part why we have, we're going to have President Trump. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. It's the total populist. It's why Bernie was popular. It's why Trump was popular. But here's the thing. We did not riot in the streets like is happening now in states across this country. Um, it's happening at, at UCLA. You had students, large blocks of students running through saying F Trump. You had a, a, and, they, and they didn't abbreviate that. No. And you had a, you had black uh, supporters in Chicago of Hillary Clinton beating up a Trump supporter, uh, you know, bloodying him. I mean, you have you have people on the left that are acting out in ways that we never did. Yeah, the, the, they, they accused Donald Trump of instigating violence, but the but ninety percent of ninety five percent of any election related violence was all their side and orchestrated, as we now found out through the WikiLeaks and through James O'Keefe's videos. This was all orchestrated on their part to make Trump. So so it was like, yeah, the few times that it happened, I remember there was a the the video where where a Trump where a uh, Clinton supporter or an opposer to Trump in those rallies was actually. Uh, victimized or few and far. There were a couple. Right. I, me- I remember one in which a one person in the crowd uh, were punched a particularly obnoxious uh, disruptor of, of, of that event. But right. The and they got taken away. And there was no nothing like an organized plan by paid Trump people like there is with Clinton to try to instigate violence at, at her events. You know, I've, I've said that um, the first and easiest phase in making America great again was to, Donald Trump getting the nomination. The second and second hardest phase is winning the election. And we saw how difficult and tight and close that was. The third most difficult phase is going to be to actually do it. And I think Trump recognized it in, in, his, in his acceptance speech. In his, on, on a, when they finally called that in the very early hours of, of, the, of Wednesday morning, they called the election for him. He's, he, he recognized that, okay, yeah, this is historic, but only if we do a good job. That's right. So and it's, Donald Trump can't do this alone. If we're going to make America great again, it's going to be because collectively right. we make America great again. His leadership's important. But he can't do it by himself. We now have the wind at our backs in a way that I think is going to make it easier to accomplish some things. Now, I'm not sure if that's true for us here in California. That remains to be seen. But my my hope is that the people that we know, the people that are out there doing the heavy lifting and the hard work in this community and in this area, double down on those efforts and recruit new people. Because while we've got the wind at our back, we need to make up for decades long advances of progressivism. We need to make up for decades long advances of our institutions like our education institution, our media to the extent that we can do anything about that. And I think if we were to fix education, both the university level as well as the uh, uh, primary I think it would go a long way to getting new people into journalism that hold a different worldview. Absolutely. Prager sent on a map to, on Thursday. If just 18 to 25-year-olds voted, the, uh, Hillary Clinton would have won the Electoral College 504 to 23. Thank God they didn't. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Unite IE radio program. We'll be back next Saturday, as always, at 4 p.m. Stay tuned.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.